Bo Levi had enough time at moments to sit back there, make a Subway sandwich, decide if it was toasted or not, and put up all the toppings, throw it in that microwave, throw it in the toaster, and put it right into your face. <laughs> That's how much time he had. You know how long it takes to get a sub some days? He That's could a- have read he could have read Hamlet front to back. Could have read War and Peace. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the two and out CFL podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Kura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit? Or Brandon Banks. We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hurt! Welcome to episode 47 of the Tune Out CFL podcast with John Fraser and Travis Curra. Man, we're getting close to uh, episode 50. And uh, John, <laughs> do, what what do we do for episode 50? Like, I don't do know. Have, are we obliged to do something? Like, do, I mean, do we I need mean, to have we, some sort of celebration where like I eat 50 pierogies as fast as I can? Oh, oh, we are on to something. That would sound gross and terrifying, but I'm sure it'd be hilarious on YouTube. <laughs> 50, man. I got I got to really think about that. I don't know why I said that out loud. Uh maybe maybe we can both walk 50 kilometers while playing Pokémon. I am down with that. <laughs> because I I have something to confess right now, You Travis got Kirby, it. Before- I downloaded the Pokemans. Yes! And I walk around my neighborhood, and I go to the Pokey things, and Gyms I spin and the things. Yeah, the, the Poke Stops or whatever. <laughs> and then I um, sometimes they appear, and I'm like, hey, it's a rat ta 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 And I throw the ball, and I catch the thing. But hey, I've walked 10 kilometers this week, and I'm feeling slightly less like I'm going to lose my leg to diabetes one day. Good for you, man! 10 kilometers in like a week so it's it's good the pokey mans has gotten me off my fat ass so <laughs> maybe now it'll be are you smarter than a slightly overweight canadian podcaster slightly i i still like my pancakes dripped in in poutine but you know there's that wait you you eat poutine in your pancakes no, I was just uh, thing. I couldn't think of more Canadian than, you know, like pancakes drenched in maple syrup on top of poutine. I haven't had my full <laughs> supper yet, so I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> this week's episode will go off the rails in terms of food. Nice, because I've heard uh, some comments regarding off the rails last week. For once, they were all positive. You mean people didn't hate us? Did our downloads go down sharply? Well, they actually did go down sharply, but the ones that listened... <laughs> They they were very well engaged. <laughs> okay, well, let's keep her on the rails this week now that we've got the Pokemon confessions out of the way. All right, let's get to the news brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. First, it's getting waxed with Brazilian Thai. Hey, it's Brazilian Thai once again for another edition of Getting Waxed here on the Two and Out CFL podcast. I know last week was a little tragically heavy, but hey, it's my segment. I'll damn well do what I please. Unless Travis and John start cutting my time, then I'll have to get creative. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers almost look like a competent football team right now, and I, for one, am surprised, and somewhat happy. There's really only one team to wish ill on, and that's Calgary, for reasons you probably already know, but when both Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are relevant in the league, it makes Labor Day weekend even better. I'm not saying that Saskatchewan is relevant, but if Winnipeg can keep this up, Saskatchewan can turn it around at some point, you just never know. Winnipeg hosted Hamilton last Wednesday and laid the boots to them. The start of the game was delayed over two hours for weather, and the players literally had nothing to do except the few that joined the panel on TSN. I don't know if this played right into the hands of the Bombers since they were at home, but it sure seemed like it. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead less than five minutes into the game and added to that lead to make it 34-0 at halftime. Hamilton tried but failed miserably and only mustered 11 points in the second half, but Winnipeg added a field goal to make the final 37-11. Matt Nichols was able to take care of the ball, going 23-31 of for 246 yards with two touchdowns and no picks, while Masoli went 27-46 with three interceptions, including the opening score of the ball game. Then it makes this even better, and so the Bombers are sitting at a playoff spot. I know it's early, but still, it's the little things. You can find me on Twitter, at Brazilian underscore Thai, and I promise when I have to work in the morning, I try to tweet some relevant things during the games. Don't count too much from Saturday night at 5pm. I'm still that immature at 28 and need to stay off social media after a couple of Gibsons and Gingers. 
Now back to Travis and John on the Two and Out CFL podcast. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. Of course, the news brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at the Bomb Nation. You can buy their product uh, online, shop.drinkbomb.com. John, I know you're enjoying uh, your new case of Bomb. I've already drank uh, four. <laughs> I got another. I got another case from the fine folks at Bomb delivered right to my front door, which is the same thing that happens if you order. Got myself a little flat. Uh, Max hasn't really been sleeping this week, so I've had four of that case since yesterday. <laughs> now, there's multiple ways I think we can go with the bomb of the week, but I think we can both agree it's going to be smiling Hank. Oh, what the? He wasn't smiling at halftime. He was like scary Hank or like hangry Hank. Maybe somebody needed to get him a Snickers right about that point. Let's get right to the audio with what he said right to Matthew Shinetti. Well, uh, you know, there's these guys at TSN who always want to jump on me every week. And, uh, you know, it seems like me, here I am out here playing hard, trying to help turn around every team in this league. And for people who are out there, I've turned around four teams in this league. And I've done help do it here, too. So all the people talking junk out there, you can take that and shove it. All right? That's all I got to say. Wow. So, so here's the true story of what went down uh, during this game. So, you know, uh, women, when they get to this certain time of the month, they crave certain things very strongly. So. Yes. <laughs> She, my wife, sent me to the theater to get her popcorn. So <laughs> I walk into the theater, I get popcorn, and I leave. So yes. as I'm in line for popcorn, <laughs> and of course it was the opening weekend of what movie opened up this weekend? Uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. So so wait, you went all the way to the theater for popcorn because your wife said so. Yes, and, and she's not, and she's not pregnant. No, not yet, as far as I know. Well, Travis, I'm I'm just going to flat out say, once that newlywed phase is over, that will probably stop. Yeah, we're still up to six months. We're not even at six months yet, so. Mm, yeah, that's going to stop one day. Eventually, you'll just turn to her, give her a glare, and say, get it yourself. And then there will be a fight, and then your whole day will be ruined. You'll end up getting popcorn no matter what. It's so, just you'll be a lot angrier when you do it. So we're watching the Eskimos-Redblacks game, and uh, at halftime I'm like, okay, I'll go. So then uh, I ended up getting a poutine from A&W, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, not a bad idea. <laughs> Never a bad idea. And I'm in line, and I uh, check Twitter, and it starts blowing up about what Henry Burris said at halftime. And I'm thinking, what? Uh, and I, I get back, and he was channeling his angry John. <laughs> I, I don't know if TSN had the angry elk ready, but I, I, I'm hoping that they did. I, I'm assuming they did, because I got to think that would have been pretty close. Now, here's the thing. Here's, here's why I have a beef with this. Okay. For okay. one, Henry Burris basically came out and said the week before, after the game, you know, I need to play better. I didn't play good enough. And he admitted as much himself, right? Well, and he, he says it in this interview. He says that I need to protect the ball better. Yeah. So basically, he's coming out and saying, I need to play better. So the CFL and TSN panel says, hey, you're right, Henry. You need to play better. And he goes all angry, John, out of nowhere. Like, you know what? He was hungry. Somebody needed to give him a Snickers. And to his statement, I go to a graphic from our friend Derek Taylor, frequent guest here on the Two and Out CFL podcast. His quote, I turned around four teams. Let's do some fun math here. Saskatchewan. Lost the West Final with an 11-7 record. Henry arrives. They went 500. Lost the West Final. Calgary, 4-14. Four okay. He turned them around. Next year, 11-7. But they lost the West Semi. Lost the West Semi. Lost the West Semi. They won the Grey Cup, so you could say. Turned the Stampeders around. Lost the West Final. Lost the West Final. Lost the West Semi Final. So then he goes to Hamilton, and he's all like, The Tie Cats are humming. <laughs> Except the Ticats didn't really hum when he arrived. 6-12, and 12, missed the playoffs. Then he lost a Grey Cup game in 2013. The Red Blacks in 2013, well, did he really turn them around? As they didn't exist. They weren't a thing. <laughs> they were just a twinkle in Ottawa's eye. He arrives, they miss the playoffs with a miserable 2-16 and 16 record, and then he loses another Grey Cup. So, to me, define turning around a team. Well, and there's a lot of speculation that he's feeling the pressure of Trevor Harris. 
Well, I would be too because Trevor Harris is going to be the guy when he comes back, and that's painfully obvious, and that's the way the minute that Trevor Harris was brought in, you knew this was going to happen in Ottawa. So it's just a matter of time. I know he's the reigning MOP. Henry, you're getting paid either way. Your team's winning either way. You have one Grey Cup ring. One. That's it. One. So I would argue he only really turned around one team because how can you turn around a team if it doesn't end in a Grey Cup championship? Well, and that's what I mean. And he he said something similar to this last year, didn't he? When he uh, w- when the whole Simone Lawrence uh, fiasco near the end of the year, he said something about him turning around four teams, didn't he? Yeah, he likes to. Uh, and I mean, I will give him credit. He's an excellent quarterback. He has had some success in the playoffs. Not so much. It's just it seems. You know, nobody on that T- on that TSN panel was pointing out anything that he didn't acknowledge himself. So for him to go off just seems a little weird. And on top of it all, I do agree with our friend Josh Smith's point and several others. There's no way he wins that MOP award if Zach Caleros doesn't blow up his knee last year. Oh, that that I mean, Caleros. He was. He, he still had votes even though he didn't play. <laughs> he should have. He was the best player in the league last year, and that proved it. Oh, ab- absolutely. He was incredible uh, last year. What did you think about the panel's response? Uh, you know, Oh, uh, I thought that was piling on. Oh, you did, eh? Uh, I did a little bit. I get it. You know, you get called to the mat, and each one of you wants to say your piece, but to go through individually each guy and say, bah, damn you, Hank, bah, like, it seemed to be a little much, I would have preferred to see, I liked what Milt Stiegel said, he's like, I'm gonna talk to you like I'm your friend right now, I like the Milt Stiegel rebuttal, I just thought that it was a little bit of piling on, I would have seen, you know, the. I would have preferred to see the panel say, well, here's Milt with our response. You know, even if it stopped at Schultzy, I don't think it would have been as big a news as it ended up becoming because no. I, I think Schultz, he, he, he summed it up very well, but then it continued. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just kept going on and on to me a little bit. I thought, I thought the best spoken was Milt Stiegel. I mean, this is ex player to, to current player, a, a guy who played against each other in the league for many years. Uh, it sounds like they at least have some sort of relationship. Uh, so I would have left it at Milt statement. It just seemed a little bit like piling on and and here we are all talking about it though so at least it was entertaining at least you know you had your pop you know you had something to enjoy your popcorn with well absolutely and at the end of the day i think they're both right and they're both wrong yeah i would agree (laughs) i mean uh it is entertaining you you couldn't be more more partial than that but to me i think they're to me the panel just responded to being called out on the mat and I can't blame them for doing that. Did I think it went on a little too long? Absolutely. But again, it's like it would be like somebody criticizing the two of us for going off the rails too much last week. Right. We admitted we went off the rails too much last week. We were the first to say it. We said it on this podcast, we said it on social media. Hey, we went a little off the rails, things got a little wacky. And if somebody would have said, "Hey, you guys went off the rails and that's crazy. I wouldn't have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, whoa, I'm gonna, I'm gonna angry John Rant and call you to the mat for telling me what I already knew. That's it. Just to me, that's that's kind of what Henry did. He said all week I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. They said he wasn't good enough, and then he lost his mind. So, well, I, I, mean, I don't I, know. I, I don't know if I've ever seen another situation like this. I mean, it's fairly unique. Yeah, I mean, Darian Durant probably gets crapped on the most out of any quarterback in this league, and I know he did. That's because he's the easiest guy to blame, Trav. I just think that the sheer number of Ryder fans and the the, the passion it all comes from a great place. But I think that whenever the team loses, they could lose uh, 42 to 40 or 56 to 55, and they're always going to blame the quarterback no matter what. I don't know if that is a limited uh, amount of football knowledge. I don't want to make myself sound elite, and I know more about football than you. But it's always 
the the first thing that somebody blames, and I'm wondering if that's just what it is. He could throw for seven touchdowns and 700 yards and break Matt Dunnigan's record, and if they lost that game, it's cut Darian Durant. Uh, in Red Deer, I have, <laughs> uh, you know, I have a guy that calls me every week, and he, he usually calls me about Wednesday. Uh, so what day and time do the Riders win this week? And uh, you know, because he knows that uh, that's where my allegiance lies. So yep. uh, I, I tell him, and then he. And we kind of talk about the game, and I'm like, ah, well, Mitchell Gale's starting this week. We'll see what happens. And he, he ends up coming out with a comment, oh, good, I don't like Durant anyway. But why? <laughs> why? I don't well, get he's, it. He's the easiest guy to blame. And that's exactly what I think it is. And I I do think that Hamilton Tiger Cat fans aren't going to be able to blame the quarterback anymore after this week. <laughs> no, because we found out this week He's back, Zach Caleros, taking first team reps at practice. Great news for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I know their fans, especially after the uh, butt whooping they took in Winnipeg last week, which to me might have been one of the surprises of the week. Uh, Tiger Cats fans are starting to feel a sense of panic, but realistically, if you went up to any Tabby's fan and said, "Listen, without Zach Caleros, you're going to play six games. In those six games, you're going to be three and three and only three points out of the division lead after those six games. I don't think there's a Hamilton fan that goes, that's unreasonable, or no, I don't want that. I think this is kind of where we expected them to be. You know, I, I totally agree. I think the reason that it looks worse than it is is because two of they, the losses... They lost ugly to Winnipeg? <laughs> yeah, and they lost ugly to... Now, losing ugly to BC isn't... I mean, it's not the worst in the world, but they got smashed yeah. at home against the Lions. So when when two of your losses are getting smashed where you don't score double-digit, well, you barely score double-digit points, that makes it look a little bit worse than it is. Uh, as far, I was excited for him to come back uh, yep. for fantasy purposes and uh, for being a fan of the league purposes as well, but I don't know if I want to start him anywhere this week in Vancouver for his first start back. Yeah, I, I like I said last week, I think he is that you keep him, maybe keep an eye on him this week. There's lots of other alternatives in Daily Fantasy that you can go with. Uh, and if you have the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, team quarterbacks in Fantasy, if your league does that, you might as well just stick and roll with them anyways because I doubt yeah. there's going to be a whole lot of anything out there. But in terms of DraftKings right now, um, taking a look at some of the values on, on some of these guys, I would just stay away from from him just just for the just for this week i'm not saying it's an every week kind of thing i'm saying i'm sure he's going to be fine i mean you look at you look at the values right now he you know what he would be a great value buy he is quite i mean it's high risk high reward when it comes to zach caleros uh right now he's only ninety seven hundred dollars but to me i need to see that around eight thousand to uh to to really give him a chance, especially when he's playing at Vancouver and the BC Lions have proven to realistically proving a lot of people wrong. They're being a good team this year. Myself, I'm going with Bo Levi Mitchell again this year. He's only about $900 more than Zach Caleros, and you know what you're going to get out of Bo Levi. Uh, another, to me, another guy to play might be Darian Durant. He's playing Calgary again, just 8800 bucks as well. I'm actually starting Kevin Glenn this week uh, against the Edmonton Eskimos. They're giving up almost 366 yards a game through the That's air. That's a pretty good idea. They're on a short week. They're only they're only practicing once. And w when you got a weapon like Deron Carter, uh, why not? I'm I'm going to pick on Edmonton. I think for the foreseeable future. If you do want to see my weekly picks, uh, the GruelingTruth.net. Uh, check it out there. I write a weekly article on who I'm rolling with on DraftKings. The Lions, they're giving up under 300 yards a game through the air. And I know in the NFL that's no big deal, but in the CFL that's huge. That is huge. And you've got an Eastern time zone team that already had to play essentially a, a game already out of their element a couple weeks ago in Winnipeg, game that went way late because of weather. They're flying out to Vancouver. Teams coming from the Eastern time zone generally don't do well in Vancouver. The BC defense has been great. And, and just an aside, do the schedule makers hate Montreal? 
I think they do. Is this their third game in 11 days or something like that? They just finished a stretch of 3-11, and 11, and now they've got another one coming up on short rest. Oh, man. Like, it's, like the Montreal Alouettes don't have a lot going for them. Uh, veteran team that's capped out. Uh, they do have some nice pieces. And, of course, they've always got the legacy of playing in the big O, Canada's worst <laughs> football stadium <laughs> trademark. Well, they do currently play where Canadian football was said to have been born uh, at McGill, so that's pretty cool. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, a much much nicer facility. I've been told by both my friend, who's a CFL official, and a couple buddies of mine who've broadcasted there. Uh, worth it for the Montreal smoked meat sandwiches, I think, and poutine. Yes, exactly. I still, I still, that is one place I have not been to a game, and I would love to go. Neither have I, and. Uh, I want to go bad. It looks like such a cool place. As does Ottawa. I mean, the, oh, the, yeah. the only stadiums I haven't been to, well, now Toronto's moved to BMO. I Actually, the whole BMO. East Division I want to visit. <laughs> oh, it would be great if we could ever, ever. This is just us going off the rails again and hoping that one day we'll actually make money of this broadcasting thing. Uh, rather than the little bit of money we make from our sponsors on this, which just pay for my energy drink addiction right now. <laughs> but I would love to get a chance to go out and see some of those Eastern stadiums. I've heard lots of really, really good things. I know we've talked to Ottawa Red Blacks fans talking about what a great barn that is. Sounds Tim Hortons like the, Field. I Tim mean. Hortons Field. Uh, I mean, McGill, is. it looks like a great time. And plus, Montreal, I'm pretty sure I would die of a heart attack between the smoked meat and poutine. I'll be at BMO this November, whether I have to give my uh, left leg or my right kidney. Uh, I'll be at the Grey Cup. <laughs> have you have you gotten any tickets yet? <laughs> no, I, I had a chance to. Uh, uh, I looked at the seating chart. I had the pre-sale code as an Eskimo season ticket holder and a Grey Cup club member. But I'm like, no, I, I talked to the guys I'm going with and we decided we're going to we're going to play the odds and uh do the old show up with no tickets and play the secondary market when we get to Toronto and hopefully save some money that way uh, yeah. and hopefully get some sideline seats for cheaper. Uh, you know, Argo fans buying uh, to be excited for the Grey Cup and then their team doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and that's never a bad idea. We've met lots of people on our Grey Cup travels that do exactly that. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see whether you end up with tickets or not, my friend. Yeah, 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 we will totally see. There's a couple players returning this week. Uh, Deontay Spencer is back practicing for the Argos. Looks like he could be playing this Friday. Now, I think... Uh, now he's right around seventy four hundred bucks on uh, uh, DraftKings. I do think he's a wild card, but I think he'll fit right into the offense and take over returning duties from Larry Taylor pretty much instantly. He might just become their offense with uh, Tory Gurley and Kevin Elliott still out. Yeah, and it, not a lot of other options there for him. So if you want to go high on Toronto, that's the team to do it. I'm looking, you know who I'm looking at, uh, speaking of receivers, as as a couple value buys on DraftKings this week. I'm looking at Clarence Denmark, who had a great re-debut with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Toronto's opponent on Friday night. I think Winnipeg is starting to turn the corner. And surprisingly, Andrew Harris is down to 7400 bucks this week on DraftKings as well. Anthony Parker out of Calgary. Uh, he is a Canadian, which means he's got to see the field. They're playing Saskatchewan again. Uh, he had a pretty good game against the Riders uh, just last week, looking to duplicate that performance. Another player returning uh, for the Eskimos, Justin Sorensen. And you might say, who's that guy? Well, he's an offensive lineman that's been hurt the last two weeks. And if you see what happened with John White the last two weeks, it hasn't been good. He no. and Mike Riley got beat up last week against Ottawa. And pretty much with the injury to Sorensen, it changed Kind of like with Winnipeg, when they brought in Bond and they started uh, Loeffler uh, on defense, it changed how that entire offensive line operated. So, John White, I actually think you know, he's been slumping, you know, but uh, like I said, Sorensen's been out. He might play this Thursday, and Montreal is the only team in the league giving up over 100 rushing yards per game, which is kind of surprising because... They, but it's because nobody else is running the ball anymore these days, it seems. Yeah, and they, they do seem to have a good 
front seven, but they are, I guess, uh, you, you can run the ball on them. So I think with the return of Sorensen and John White looking to kind of get out of this mini slump, he might be a good play against Montreal. Yeah, I, I now I'm reevaluating my choices uh, on DraftKings. <laughs> I know I was going back to back with Jerome Messam only because again that Rider defense hasn't been great and is once again in transition. As once again they bring they seem to do the shuffle of br- trading guys, bringing in guys, cutting guys left, right, and center. The Riders are going to Ryder this year, I guess. Well, my issue last week is I went heavy on Stampeders, and uh, I had one spot left, and I'm like, I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna pin the tail on the donkey and uh, uh, pick a random Ottawa receiver. Well, I ended up picking the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I thought Sinopoli would have an okay game, and he did have an okay game, but I probably should have went with Ernest Jackson. But it becomes, you know. Impossible to choose which Ottawa receiver is going to do, uh, you know. You might as well just put names in a hat and draw out of that hat. Although they are doing just a little less since Henry Burris uh, they came are. back, since Trevor Harris went out. So I'm waiting to see. I'm I'm staying away from Ottawa a little bit, only because I mean, let's face it, that Edmonton defense has been a disaster this year, and they still only hung 23 points on them. And I guess the reason I have kind of uh, not went as heavy on Calgary this week, I don't know why. I'm just kind of hesitant of going with them in back-to-back weeks. You'd think that the Riders would have – now, I thought they had a good effort against Calgary uh, last week, but uh, would they have a repeat performance? Uh, I don't know. See, what I'm banking on myself is I'm banking on the Calgary team that showed up in the fourth quarter of that game to just roll through the rest of this game at Mosaic Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, that's what it's... I'm that's what I'm seems to me like Calgary figured something out, figured out kind of who they, they could exploit on that rider defense and the the game plan to do so and how they could get Jerome Messam running. Uh, again, it's a long week so both teams have plenty of time to look at film, but I think we're going to see a little more fourth quarter Calgary rather than the first three quarters of Calgary and then I think um, for one, I can absolutely say the second half of my prediction of of the Riders doing well this year will be dead. Um, but, hey, the first half of Edmonton not being great. So far, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I like uh, Messam uh, this week. Uh, last week, he looked like an absolute beast, like you said, in the fourth quarter. And if they can get him involved early on in the game, then uh, that's uh, trouble for Saskatchewan. I uh, love how we've like subtly hinted who we're going to pick this week, too. Yeah, <laughs> There's going to be very few surprises if you listen to the whole episode when it comes to two fat guys making picks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, Montreal looks like they're going to have a new kicker uh, this Thursday. Uh, Boris Beatty uh, looks like he is on the six-game injured list. Anthony Farah looks like he'll draw the start. So six-game injured list with strained confidence, I'm thinking. I don't think there's anything physically wrong with the guy. Is Boris Beatty the Jim Carrey of the CFL? I'm talking Jim Carrey, the flash of the, the Washington Capitals goalie. goalie? Yeah, came out of nowhere, was awesome for like a year and a half, and then was complete and utter crap. Right now, that's what Boris Beattie looks like to me. He's a rookie, got hot, had one good season. This year hasn't done a whole lot of anything, so hopefully for Montreal's sake, he can figure it out. But, I mean, kicking such a fickle game, he could find himself cut and unemployed for the rest of his career at this rate. Well, more recently, is he the Liram Haralahu of the Montreal Alouettes. And, and you kind of threw this out there a little bit. Liram Haralahu, of course, struggled mightily in Winnipeg, lost his confidence, went to Toronto, and ended up being a pretty good, has been a pretty good kicker and pickup so far for the Argonauts. So sometimes it just takes a change of scenery for a guy like that to turn things around. Uh, and I think he he could be a candidate for that, but it's... It's just, it's so hard to say, especially, you know, Haralahu to me had a, a great rookie season and wasn't like he was bad last year in Winnipeg, but it wasn't this bad. <laughs> Beatty's been an unmitigated disaster. 
Like, he's been struggling mightily. So I hope whatever he needs to fix on the six-game injured list, whether it's a actual injury or just strained confidence, uh, can be uh, can be addressed, and uh, he'll get back to playing the level he can. And if not, well, he'll just go in the long list of kickers that were good for a couple of games. <laughs> and one last note, it kind of relates to the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Tom Higgins has been named the defensive coordinator at the University of Calgary. So you're going to be seeing him uh, some this year as they play the Huskies. I will a little bit. Probably, uh, I'm not sure if he's an up-top guy or an on-the-sidelines uh, kind of guy, but I know Tom Higgins had been uh, quietly in it ever since he was blown out pretty much immediately when he was blown out by the Montreal Alouettes. He was quietly working as a consultant slash on the coaching staff. This just makes it formal for the Calgary Dinos, and I, I, I think an already great Dinos team is getting even better with a, with a coach like Tom Higgins sitting there. All right, let's get to the Fantasy Expose. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the Two and Out podcast. All right, it started with Wednesday night football. Kind of. Uh, there was a two and a <laughs> half hour morning football. Yeah, there was a two and a half hour storm delay. I think Winnipeg's been in three of them this year. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's. I believe it's been three. Uh, this one was just like, and it's funny. First off. I know a lot of fans stayed at Investors Group Field because it was Milt Stiegel night. I think a lot more of them stayed in Investors Group Field because they had nowhere else to go and the buses weren't running, so they didn't really have an oh. option. <laughs> I heard I heard lots of friends of mine actually were calling friends and family to say, listen, I got to work in the morning. I can't stay here this late. Uh, my cousin had a 4 a.m. shift at the airport. He's uh, he He works for an airline there. And as soon as they said weather delay, he texted his dad. He's like, Pops, come pick me up. And uh, it's a good thing he did because that game ended quite late local. Even me, I was at Saskatoon Hilltops practice, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, by the time I get back from practice and and get some stories written up and some audio cut up, it'll be like 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'll watch the second half. I'm sure Hamilton will be winning, blah, blah, blah. And I got home, and I'm like, oh, great, well, I'm not going to be able to watch the CFL game because I have to go to bed because I also work at four in the morning. <laughs> well, did the delay throw Hamilton off? I think so. And I'm, I know people, I, I don't know if people believe in it or not, but I think body clocks are, are a big time thing. And I get it. Winnipeg was affected as much as Hamilton, but you got to think you travel, you know, uh, you, you travel in an airport, never a pleasant experience, never easy on the body. You go into Winnipeg, uh, you're, you're facing a fired-up Bombers team that's that's all of a sudden looking like they're turning the corner. And that game is starting at what? 11 p.m. Hamilton Their time. time? Yeah. So, and I get it. It's 10. It's It was late for Winnipeg as well, but that... Uh, that I guess it's just an hour time difference between Winnipeg and Hamilton, but I do think that has a little bit to do with it. I mean... You know, you try to keep yourself up an hour later than you intended. Uh, I think, too, and we didn't really see a lot of the Winnipeg room, but it seemed to me like Hamilton was playing it a little too casual. You, you saw guys playing cards. You saw guys dancing around the room. And when they cut to the Winnipeg room, it just seemed to be a little more focused. And maybe that was reflected in the way the two two teams played. Or you just had a rookie quarterback running into a situation he's never been in before. I think that is probably the largest factor. Jeremiah Masoli, three interceptions, 335 yards passing. Matt Nichols had the shortest fields to work with probably in the history of football. Two <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, Andrew Harris, he's not 100 yards again, uh, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Like I mentioned, Clarence Denmark. I wanted to play him in Daily Fantasy last week. But DraftKings didn't have him up in time for the game, unfortunately, as soon as I found out who was starting. Uh, but to me, he is a guy I'm going to start with a value pick this week. Yeah, Winnipeg, uh, their offense didn't look good in the second half either. Uh, well, you almost wonder it, if they took their foot off the gas, right? Yeah, I mean, when you're, you're up 34-0. nothing <laughs> At halftime, I think it almost becomes more of a, you know, let the defense do their thing. Let's try to grind out as much clock as possible. Uh, and obviously you're not airing it out and throwing it deep like Matt Nichols likes to do and that Matt Nichols has had success doing since taking over as Winnipeg starter. Uh, so needless to say, uh, Drew Willey will also probably be on the unemployment line if Matt Nichols continues to play like this. Kevin Fogg, he has started two games, well, uh, at returner when McDuffie's been out, and 
he does a damn good job every time they put him in there. And he just the only problem is is he usually has some sort of dumb penalty which causes yeah. his returns to be brought back. Again, Fogg is a guy who plays defense, so if you want to play him, you're going all in for a return touchdown. Yeah, he's one of those guys where uh, we've seen it with a lot of the other other returners. Uh, Roy Finch started getting involved in the offense for Calgary. Uh, Brandon Banks, Chris Rainey, they try to get these guys involved in offense, but you're not going to see that with Fogg at all. No, no. I mean, you're <laughs> you're banking on a home run if you're playing him. I mean, I, I think we've said all we can about that game. 37-11, the final score yeah. for uh, and, Winnipeg. And, and just to clarify, still a neutral CFL fan. The box of bomber gear has been donated. Double header on a Thursday. The BC Lions were in Montreal uh, for a lot longer than they expected. Uh, <laughs> 38-18 was the final for the Lions. And it seems like Jonathan Jennings is starting to look like he did last year. He uh, goes 27 of 32. He, he has the touchdown and a pick for 331 yards. And they did mention it during the game that... Kahari Jones is his offensive coordinator. And yep. when he was a quarterback, he wasn't really the improviser, the, you know, running, the scrambling guy. That yep. wasn't his style. So I think maybe he'd been teaching Jennings to stay in the pocket a little bit longer and be a better quarterback. But I think against Montreal, it's almost like he perfected uh, the the halfway point where it's, it's a, to me it's just a young quarterback figuring himself out. Yeah, now he, at, at the beginning of the year it looked like he took uh, I got to stay in the pocket, I got to stay in the pocket, but yeah. now he's running to extend plays and do what he does best, and he's one of the funnest players to watch. He's only what twenty three? Yeah, he's crazy young. And, what and was I is... doing when I was twenty three? Man, um, I stealing was... chicken wings out of your fridge. <laughs> Yeah, you were when you were the intern, and I literally no. This is this is a again off the rail story. Um, Travis at the time was uh, working with me as an intern at the Goat in Lloyd Minster, and part of his intern duties we had a bit uh, uh, where I would force Travis to do things. Of course, force being in air quotes where Trav was in on it the whole time. So I sharpen your skates and all this kind of exactly. I made you get my skates and go drop them off for a sharpen, which. Actually, it started as a bit was you were in the office and I realized I forgot to sharpen my skates. And I believe you turned to me. And you're like, hey, we should make this an on air bit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you showed up. I gave you the keys. You showed up at my house. You were live on the phone. You raided my fridge, ate my chicken wings. But you did grab my skates and get them sharpened. So I'm sure I, my performance that night was was pretty good. Uh, thanks to you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, he he's looking good. He's still figuring himself out. And uh, if this is him figuring himself out, I think uh, Lions fans and CFL fans are in for a fun career here. Wally's done it again. He's yeah. done it again. He knows how to develop quarterbacks, and I don't think it's any coincidence. And, and this is no slight on Mike Benavides as a coach. I think Mike Benavides is a good coach, but... When Wally is just, he's got some mojo, he's got some magic left, and he's proving it here with his development of Jonathan Jennings. Plus, credit to Wally for sticking with Jennings, minus the brief pull for Travis Lule in that one game that he was struggling real bad. I mean, it's easy, it would be real easy to go to that ginger haired veteran on your bench, but to stick with Jennings took some, took some stones and good for the Godfather. There's always. So, oh, there's these annoying comments I see on Twitter and Facebook almost daily from CFL fans, and it's just about every single team. I don't know where it comes from, but every single team seems to think that the starting quarterback needs to uh, take a couple series <laughs> off and observe. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I've even never. I, it's funny because I've never. That doesn't have a precedent in any other sport. Where does it come from? Like the the thought that you should just sit your starting quarterback so he can observe. There were people calling for Jennings to be benched after the loss to Calgary. No, I, I but see, I get that though. See that I understand. Jennings is a young quarterback who struggled. Lule's a vet on the bench. That's why I think it took a lot of stones. This this whole like they lost forty four to forty one. 
I know against there's, Calgary. Th- there's no there's no reason he should have been benched, but I can at least understand the ire of the fans. He didn't play great late. He made ba- bad decisions. They have a veteran guy sitting on the bench who's proven he can win before. Now, with Jennings, I, I you're right. I will never understand this. Well, he needs to sit and observe from the sideline. Okay, so take Carey Price and tell him to go sit on the bench for a period and then go back in because now he's seen what the other team is doing. Uh, take Marcus Stroman and go tell him, uh, although I guess baseball you watch every five days, but tell him, okay, you know what? We're not going to bring you out till the third <laughs> inning so you can see what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing to you. <laughs> well, I see the, the Edmonton fans say this a lot too. Uh, Mike Riley, he's struggling, so you better put James Franklin in for a couple series so he can observe from the sideline. I, I don't get it. If the guy is struggling and you think a change is need to be made, <laughs> like Winnipeg with Matt Nichols, like they didn't set Drew Willie down for three series and say, "Okay, Drew, you got it now. You got it. You've been doing this your whole life." But hey, these three series that you just observed from the sidelines, do you have this figured out now? You know, it's not <laughs> like all of our advanced scouting and fi- film work and massive coaching staffs got you ready. But Drew, you just sat there and watched three plays from the sideline. Are you ready? <laughs> Maybe it no! comes from <laughs> Michael Shea put in Matt Nichols. He's the starter now. Well, maybe it comes with the old, uh, some teams had the two-quarterback system. You know, the Riders had Tom Burgess and Kent Austin in 1989. And maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe, but I don't understand how a guy, a professional quarterback, is going to learn from sitting on the sidelines. If you told me this same (laughs) argument in junior or amateur football, I'd say, you know what? That does make sense. You take a young guy and say, look at the way this defense is working. Look at this. Because sometimes you genuinely don't know at that level. You know, you don't have a lot of film on some guys. But at the professional level, to say a guy needs to sit and watch for a few plays, if a guy's struggling, put in the other guy and see what the hell he can do. And if they both struggle, well, <laughs> I guess you're out of luck. Yeah. Now you're at square one. <laughs> well, geez, now we know they both suck tonight. We're up Ish Creek without a paddle. Well, you might as well put uh, Ottawa might put in Zachary Medeiros at uh, quarterback, the punter, because you know what? Maybe maybe he can get us going. Uh, <laughs> maybe not that Ottawa doesn't have enough quarterbacks. You don't you don't need to add to that controversy. Okay, so uh, we went a little bit off the rails there, but Jeremiah Johnson uh, comes back. He looks good, but is it? You know, I thought Johnson has looked good this year when he's been healthy. But again, that Montreal Alouettes rushing defense, the giving up the most yards per game. So that helped him out a little bit. Now, one player I want to talk about on the BC side. We know that the Manny show is going to be Manny. Uh, Sean Gore is having a resurgence this yep. year. Uh, Geraldo Boldevine's getting his targets. But Brian Burnham is he's quietly becoming one of the better receivers in the league. He has 331 yards receiving over the past three games. That comes with 24 targets. That comes with 19 receptions. He is becoming a good value for the Lions. And and he's a guy that you just don't hear about it because nobody covers the Lions these days. Well, that's another reason why nobody talks about him, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) The two least talked about teams in the CFL played a game, and we've managed to talk about it for about 10 minutes. (laughs) I feel like we we deserve a cookie. (laughs) I I agree. Now, on the Montreal side. Or another shot of bomb energy. Oh, yeah. You're almost out of your case. You better ration that stuff, man. (laughs) It's probably Uh, (laughs) a good idea. It's, It's so tasty. It just gets me all ready to go. (laughs) <laughs> On the Montreal side of things, Kevin Glenn does his thing. Uh, they, they don't really have much of a rushing game with Brandon Rutley, although I thought they could have given him the ball more, but they were down uh, early. He had six carries for 48 yards. I think he's a great running back, and yep. he deserves to be used more. But Deron Carter, I have to start him this week against the Edmonton Eskimos and their terrible uh, secondary. He's had 115 yards in two straight games, and apparently he's never going to get suspended. So, h- how can you not start him? <laughs> he's he is Kevin Glenn's favorite target. I say if Glenn's in, you start him. If anybody else is in, you sit him. In terms of in terms of daily fantasy, long season, yeah, you got to start him every week if he's on your team. 
10 targets in each of the last two games. So they're throwing him the ball. Yeah, he's he's and he's going to make those catches, and he's going to make good things happen with the ball. Uh, there was no Friday night football this week. I sent out the tweet, man. No Friday night football sucks. It, it, I, it felt weird, but I guess you don't want to be up against the, the Olympic opening ceremonies. I didn't watch it. <laughs> neither, neither did I. I don't need to watch somebody go on their last catwalk ever. <laughs> oh, geez, it's the last catwalk ever for a supermodel. I'm so thrilled. But there was, I guess, another game on Thursday. The Stampeders beat the Riders 35-15, and it was very close. It was like a one-point game until the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rider defense actually kept the Stampeders in check. Now, if you notice, the Riders... And this drives me crazy. I was driving home from the game, and I was listening to the post-game show, and Stampeder fans were calling in and talking about how bad of an offensive line they had. And Wait, wait, wait. So people were questioning Calgary's offensive line. Yes! Calgary Stampeders fans, are you on glue? <laughs> Bo well, Le- okay, Bo Levi had enough time at moments, to sit back there, make a Subway sandwich, decide if it was toasted or not, and put up all the toppings, throw it in that microwave, throw it in the toaster, and put it right into your face. (laughs) That's how much time he had. You know how long it takes to get a sub some days? He could have read read Hamlet front to back. Could have read War and Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least used it to bash some defenders when they came by. Like and I I put it out on Twitter and somebody's rebuttal was well if he wasn't so athletic he would have been sacked multiple times I I don't care he's a quarterback he should be athletic he's he's playing in the CFL yeah. the the amount of time he had but the Riders were able to actually cover in the first three quarters and then in the fourth they started sending a little bit of pressure and that secondary was let out to dry and uh, Bo Levi ended up uh, picking them apart. A little bit, but to to say that they have a bad offensive line just blew me away. Yeah, I, I just I, I it, it blows me it, it blows me away. And the funny thing is, if you had if you had a bad offensive line, you wouldn't be winning football games. Calgary fans, again, going to Derek Taylor's Twitter feed, uh, this stat posted when when Mitchell is under pressure. His completion percentage drops, including sacks, which of course would be a zero for zero, to just 34%. So you're telling me a guy who has struggled this season under pressure is is, is the same guy that you're saying that the offensive line isn't good enough when he threw for 312 yards? (laughs) <laughs> there is proof. There is proof that Bo Levi Mitchell is not a great quarterback when under pressure. And he threw for 312 yards in a 68% completion percentage. The only thing that right. kind of <laughs> the, the only thing that kind of puzzled me about this game is the Stamps are up 32 uh 15 at the end of the game and they're tr- they were they were trying to score another touchdown. And I, I couldn't believe it. There was a point where Messam was uh, making a beeline for the end zone, and he ends up falling on the ball, and it looked like he he might have hurt himself there, but why risk that when you're yeah. up 17 points with, like, 20 seconds to go? Well, I mean, the argument will always be that points four yeah. at some point is, you know, a tiebreaker, but uh, I I don't know. To, to me, I'm one of... I'm a fan of, of going for it because if you can't stop me, I'm going to make you look bad. That's the way right. I think sports should be played. I have no issue unless, again, again, the caveat to this being professional sports. Do I think high school teams playing competition far below them should be blowing kids out of the water? No. Let your bench players play. But at the professional level, if you don't want to get scored on, then stop it. I just don't know why you would risk injury. And that's that's the only thing. I would if if they had brought in Messam's backup. But yeah. Again, but again, that being a ratio position, that's a little bit more difficult to do uh, than just saying, "Hey, put in Messam's backup." But still, if it was if it was Drew Tate out there with a backup running back still trying to score, I get that. You're right. The last thing you want in, in garbage time is a guy like Messam getting hurt. 
Yeah, and, and, and he's a, a, he's a guy with injury concerns. I mean, he's been over them the past couple years, but there's another point with uh, how bad Calgary's offensive line is. Andrew Buckley, they run a goal line formation from the five, and he doesn't get touched. Runs in for a touchdown. <laughs> Now that's a bad offensive line, I tell you. That's a terrible <laughs> offensive line. Well, I tell you what there, Travis. Now, uh, one player I do want to talk about is Roy Finch. Uh, uh, last week on the show, I said he would score a punt return touchdown. Man, I was close. You he were? A, I was impressed. He had the 54-yard punt return, and he ended up getting shut down uh, just shy of getting uh, himself a touchdown. But he has 159 return yards, and they started to include him on the offense. He had a target on uh, uh, receiving. He he couldn't get it. uh, They couldn't connect there. But he also had a couple carries as well. He's 3,600 bucks on uh, DraftKings. I'm starting him again this week. You know what? Again, it's a home run shot for you because you're basically counting on the fact that he'll end up with a punt return touchdown. But, I mean, if you're going to take a home run shot on the guy that they're trying to work into the offense a little bit, it's not a bad idea. Speaking of guys on DraftKings who are value, for me, I started Rob Bag. Uh, he looks like he's starting to get more comfortable, especially now that Darian Durant is back. He's always been one of Durant's favorite targets. Uh, 135 yards. And a touchdown, and he's still a decent value on DraftKings as well. And that game actually could have been so much better for Bag. There were some that were called back. Yep. Some were dropped. Uh, but it just wasn't to me. To if, me, if, if you're looking for a Saskatchewan receiver that's a good value by Rob Bag's the guy. Yeah, uh, the Riders ended up losing by 20 in this one, but uh, I think that the the game was a lot closer than the score ended up being. They they were talking about uh, the attendance as well uh, on the, on the radio, and fans were kind of worried about that. Twenty eight thousand five hundred. Um, is it time that we start to look at the economy as a real issue when it comes to attendance? I would say a hundred percent. A hundred percent, especially in Alberta. Alberta's been hit hard. There's still a lot of people out of work there. I mean, I remember calling the Rush and Calgary Roughnecks West Final game in Calgary. Typically, the Saddle Dome would have been sold out, and even the Roughnecks were doing a giveaway. I think the tickets in the Upper Bowl were just $20. Of course, this was when when oil was still well below $40 a barrel. Things were really dire in Alberta, and they even they, with a really good fan base, could only get about 12000 in the door. Uh, I know everybody was surprised, but I think that's the economic reality right now, especially in Alberta. I would call it a blip on the radar. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see when things start to turn around in that province, what happens uh, with, with attendance. Will people just stay away? Will they have figured out that sometimes it's better to watch on your TV? Yeah, it, 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 and those seats in McMahon, if you don't have the bucket seats, they suck. Yeah, those benches <laughs> are not good on the rear end. Oh, man, halfway through the first quarter, my ass was killing me. <laughs> <laughs> but I did uh, load up on some salted peanuts to uh, take me through the rest of the game. Hey, and the peanuts are never a bad thing. <laughs> Let's go to Saturday night football. The Red Blacks home to the Eskimos. 23-20 was the final here. I think uh, the story here that even despite of all the penalties, even despite Edmonton's struggles and angry Hank coming out of the woodwork, these two teams are closely matched, and, man, it was a hard-fought, hard-hitting game. Yeah, it really was. I think this was one, to me, that the Eskimos really wanted to win. Uh, the, the thing I don't like is watching Mike Riley lose it on his offensive line. I get it once in a while. It's, it's great. You can fire your team up, but... At some point, it almost becomes the boy who cried wolf. He didn't look; he just looked unsettled the whole night. The Ottawa defense did a great job, and that interception he threw near the end of the game was one of the worst throws I think I've ever seen Mike Riley make. Uh, just 255 yards in an interception. Still one of the highest-rated quarterbacks on DraftKings. Maybe a guy I stay away from. Uh, Nick Grigsby was banged up. Obviously, Ottawa on a bye this week, uh, but only nine for 33. And Henry Burris returns, and Good Hank does return as well. See there. There's, there again, there's a guy taking a week to figure it out and then getting it sorted out. 341 uh, yards passing, two touchdowns to the one interception after the historic rant. 
How happy would you be if you were Mike Riley and you had uh, mummy wrap around your head? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy. But uh, but I mean, we've seen it before. We see it every game. He goes and screams at his offensive line, and I can't think of another quarterback that does that. You know what? He he does really uh, get fired up at them you're right and it's rare to see you know most most guys you know there's a mutual respect between the two but this one seems to be more of a do your damn job because i'm mike riley yeah yeah and this ends his streak of uh consecutive 300 yard passing games and he's up against the number one passing defense in the league in the uh uh, Montreal Alouettes. So we'll see what happens there. What, what did you make of the roughing the passer calls? Because I think once you say that if the quarterback's head gets touched, I don't care how it is, you have to call it. Yeah, if you're saying it's going to be an automatic no discretion flag, you have to throw it. And it's as simple as that. And they weren't doing that, which, again, is weird because head contact is being so stressed at every level of football right now. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> you you just uh, got to call it. It, it, it. There was the game, uh, the Lions and the Owls, where they tried to challenge it, where uh, they did a quarterback sneak, I believe uh, well, Jennings did. challenge everything these days. Uh, yeah, and uh, his head ended up getting banged. But if you're running the ball, man, I, I think you're kind of fair game when you're putting your head down there. Uh, I think we know who the Eskimos are. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> they uh, they are a team with a, that their offense will need to to win them games when their offense doesn't the defense isn't good enough and uh, that's why they're off to a slow start this year which is making my prediction look not too pretty bad so far yeah and just one note on the uh, red blacks man in limited action Keenan LaFrance has been fun to watch I want to see him get the ball some more. This is a guy who was behind Nick Dembski as the starting running back at the University of Manitoba. And whenever he went in, he was fantastic. A great back to watch. I got to watch him right from the sidelines at Husky Games. Uh, I, I'm glad to see he's doing well. Uh, and he's he's an impressive talent for sure. And, I mean, he's a guy that was impressive even back in the CIS days. Uh, Ottawa's on by this week, but I would keep an eye on Khalil Payton. Uh, he had two big plays, uh, uh, one for 38 and one for 15 last week. It was his first start since last year. He started over Jake Hardy, and he ended up having an okay game, two catches, 53 yards. But if they continue to get him involved, he seems to be a big play guy, and I would watch him for uh, Ottawa. Quick note on the two and out CFL pot or the CFL podcast family. Fantasy League, two and out is now lost two straight. Uh, and is that Brazilian good. Ty's fault? No, that's actually mine. <laughs> what? We're still first. We're just tied for first. Okay. Tied for first is still okay. Ties aren't great, but tied for first. By the way, uh, going uh, again back to Derek Taylor's Twitter feed, uh, a game in September 3rd of 2011, the three tailbacks for the University of Manitoba Pisons were Anthony Coombs, Nick Dembski, and Keenan LaFrance. Wow. <laughs> Even in this. <laughs> That's not too pretty bad. That is a damn good uh, uh, CIS team. That would be good in the CFL. Yeah. Oh, wow. Th That's awesome. Let's get to our picks for this week. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> Now, I hope to be able to watch this game uh, with my wife. She uh, She's always liked football, but I think she enjoys the atmosphere uh, of the stadium. You know, she enjoys that. But this year, uh, I've really been teaching her the ropes of yep. uh, football. And we were watching Eskimos Red Blacks. And they kept saying on the broadcast, well, there's another two and out. There's another two and out. And uh, she looks at me, why did you call your podcast two and out? Is it because you guys suck? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Curra just throwing the shade. <laughs> and then she goes, or is it just because you think you're funny and you're a bunch of idiots? <laughs> I'm going to go with the second part. Lose, lose, answer there. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be a bunch of idiots than be bad at this, though. Well, I think we're mediocre. Yeah, we're below average, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> so actually, this week I found it to be pretty much the hardest week since week one to decide where I'm going here. Uh, but Montreal is in Edmonton. Who do you have? I've got Montreal. I want to go Montreal. I know. I know. I just. I think Edmonton's a little dysfunctional right now. I don't think that defense is great. Uh, there are two things that Montreal does well this year. One is throw the ball to Deron Carter, and one is stop the pass. Edmonton hasn't been able to run the ball that well. I know Sorensen's coming back, but I think Montreal is actually going to pull the upset here in Edmonton. So uh, some respectables for me, please, Mr. Curra. All right, I concur, so we're going to rock the respectables. But I realize I need a brand new lick, so I'm giving it up, giving it up for my sugar. Friday Night Football is back. BMO Field, the Argos home to the Bombers. Oh, who do you have here? I think I've read a lot this week coming from a lot of sources. TSN, Winnipeg Free Press, a lot of these places are saying, you know what? There's some reasons here that Winnipeg has turned the corner. It looks like they're starting to gel. I'm going to pick the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And because Phil Askew had a son this week, congratulations to Phil. Uh, and 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 his family. Uh, congratulations on welcoming a little boy to the world. Phil has been up my ass about not playing the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fight song whenever the Bombers are picked in this segment. So for Phil and your new little boy, the Bombers fight song. I'm going Bombers as well. Uh, I, I feel like they've learned how to win again, and uh, they they might continue to do it this week. So. Bombers fight song. We're proud of the Blue Bomber name. So proud of its glory and fame. We're best in the West, and we'll take on the rest when we get to the East-West game. Fight, fight. All right, a doubleheader on Saturday night. The Riders home to the Calgary Stampeders. The Riders will be celebrating the 80s at Mosaic Stadium. I don't know why they would. You should probably just say 1989 because that was a brutal decade for the Riders. Yeah, I don't know like, why you'd want to bring that back. It's like, you, uh, what are they going to celebrate, the 90s next? Oh, like, boy, are they going to celebrate the telethon years? Oh, yeah, they should just bring in that uh, Argos team from the mid-90s because they crushed Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup in 97. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Pinball and Flutie and Reggie Slack. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I think, and I get it, you have to honor every bit of your team's history when you say goodbye to a building. But I'm with you. I would stick this to 1989, unless they're serving Crystal <laughs> Pepsi everywhere, because that would be kind of nifty. <laughs> or Air Jordans, if they were giving those out at the door. Or, or uh, starter jackets. Yeah! Or now more, we're or talking. those more of a '90s thing. They might have kind of overlapped. Okay, whatever. Give away free starter jackets, and I'll pick your team. <laughs> but because you're not, I'm going to go with this brain thing of mine that says the Stampeders are going to drop the Riders to one and six. Let's rock some dudes. I have the stamps as well. Saturday, 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 Saturday. All right, this one is going to be fun. I could actually see it going either way. The Lions home to the Tiger Cats. 8 o'clock, well, mountain time anyway. Uh, Zach Caleros makes his return, and it's a tough assignment, though. Who do you have? You know, I want to pick the Tiger Cats just so we can play the Tiger Cats are humming. And because the Arkells dropped a new album this week, Morning Report, been listening to it all week. But I think I'm going to stick with my theory. They're not so quarterbacks, not so great in the first week back from injury, back to themselves in week two. Maybe if only they could sit on the sidelines and watch three plays. I'm going to take the BC Lions (laughs) and their impressive defense and their good home record. (laughs) You know, part of me wants Zach Caleros to come back. Well, all of me does. Wants him to come back and pick up right where he left off. Yep. And, uh, you know, just be that MOP-like player from last year. I do think it's tough going into BC against that awesome defense. So I am going to have to go Lions 
as well. Now, I just want to look up something to see where this band is from. I want to go with the Paolas for the BC Lions. Now, listen up. I'm not no. a Paolas fan. No. 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 So I was at the Gross. Tragically Hip concert last Wednesday in Calgary. Okay. And I'm walking through the concourse. And who do I see? Bob Rock, producer for Metallica, Motley Crue, the Tragically Hip, but also a member of the Paolas. Wow. I'm impressed that you recognize. Were you the only guy who recognized uh, him from the Paolas? Well, and he was actually born in Winnipeg, uh, but (laughs) I don't know if anybody else noticed him, but I'm a big Metallica guy, man. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, and I mean, if you have some Paola's vinyl at home, you can't miss that head of hair on Bob Rock. So are we playing Eyes of a Stranger? I think we have to. Oh, God. Did we just jinx the Lions? Uh, no, but my ears, I don't. I remember having to play them when I was the music director at Wayne FM and Wainwright. You can talk to your boss about it. And I remember throwing <laughs> up in my mouth just a little bit each and every time. How does a man that produced the Tragically Hip and Metallica make such crap music himself? <laughs> like, you obviously know what's good. Metallica's great. The Hip are great. And you come out with that crap? <laughs> oh, the payolas. Why do it's we end new with, wave, man. It's new why wave. Why do we end with the payolas? I just want to crawl in a hole and bury myself and drink my bomb energy drink. Should I just play something a little bit of the new Arkells album to make things better? Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> for episode 47 of the two and out cfl podcast i don't know if that one was on the rails or if there are even rails or what but we set off the rails about seven times so take a shot every time you hear it in this podcast yeah new two and out drinking game <laughs> there you go follow on uh, twitter like on facebook two and out cfl rate review subscribe on itunes i won't talk to you next week john fraser will yeah with i croaker uh, uh, I think um, I was supposed to ask Croker about that this week, but he's sick this week, so maybe Croker, maybe it's just me for the whole podcast. I don't know yet. 100% train wreck. <laughs> oh, God, it would be so bad if it was just me. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon.